Jesus has more for you than just to be saved, that you can be joyful, that you can be blessed. Maybe not Nikea, but you can be blessed. Number two, you've got to know that your righteousness, that you're right with God, righteousness is in Christ alone. You just have to know that. You have to live in that. We call it the gospel, the good news. You have to live in that. You have to remind yourself of that. You have to come to church, and we have to encourage one another in that. You have to live in that. And so what I want to do is we want to break down this Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 20. And this, the title, the heading of this paragraph is that Christ came to fulfill the law. And so I want you to, when you hear this, I want you to think of Jesus as the the sermon on the mount that he's preaching. He's preaching to Jewish people that grew up Jewish, grew up all about them. They probably had the Torah memorized, and they were trying their best, doing all that they can to follow the law. So let's, let's read through this real quick. Verse 17. Jesus says, after he teaches about the Beatitudes, salt and the light, and he comes to this, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is, is, is accomplished. Verse 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the will, to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you're like me, when I read this, I'm like, this is so confusing. I've got to break this down. So I'm going to just stop and pray as we break this down that God would speak into our hearts through his word. Dear Father, Lord, I pray that you would speak into our hearts exactly what you want us to hear what you want us to learn from your word. Uh, Lord, speak through me. Speak into our hearts. And all God's people said, amen. You see, Jesus here, he's saying that he accomplished, that he fulfilled, that he satisfied the law. Jesus made it clear that he did not oppose what God, what he is God, God gave Israel in the Old Testament. He's not opposing that. He did not come to destroy the word of God, but he came to fulfill it, to fulfill the law. And the Jews during this time of Jesus' day referred to scripture as the law and the prophets. Sometimes they would say just the law, or sometimes they would say the law and the prophets and the Psalms, because the Psalms are the songs, right? So they would refer to Scripture as the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. Here's what Jesus is talking about. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Fulfill the law and the prophets. Or sometimes they would just refer to the law or the law of Moses. The law of Moses is the first five books of the Bible. The Torah, you may have heard the first five books of the Torah, or the Pentateuch, Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. There are 600 commandments and regulations throughout the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. And you can break those laws down into three different parts. You can break it into the moral law, 
the ceremonial law, and the civil law. So the moral law has the Ten Commandments within it, the moral law, and then the civil law is our day-to-day, the day-to-day things that they could or could not do, the Jewish people, and then the ceremonial laws is how they worship God, right? So you may have remembered the story in Luke where Jesus and his disciples are walking somewhere and they walk through someone's field and they take off the seed or the head of the grain and they, they were eating it. And later, the Pharisees, they saw that. It was uh, during Sabbath, was the time of rest on the Saturday, and they accused him, Jesus, of breaking the law and breaking the Sabbath. Now, they did not accuse him of eating the seed because in the civil law, you could walk through, the law was you could walk through somebody else's property when they had the grain and the grain head, and you could eat it. Like, you can't harvest grapes. You can't harvest the grain head. Like, we don't want to take too much, but if you're walking through and you're hungry, you can take a little bit and eat it. So they knew civil law that you were allowed to do that, but you weren't supposed to do those things on the Sabbath. And so they were accusing Jesus of breaking the ceremonial law, the Sabbath. And so those are the breaking down, the moral, the civil and the ceremonial. The law reveals the character of God. But it also reveals the sinfulness of man. It reveals the character of God, but it also reveals the sinfulness of man. Here in verse 17, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to Fulfill them. Jesus added nothing to the law except for perfect obedience. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. In Romans 10.4 it says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Again, for, the, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus is the end of the law. That you are made right with God because of Jesus. Our righteousness is based on Christ, our faith alone in Christ. Romans 6.15. Paul says, well then, shall we just then continue on sinning since the law is fulfilled? Should we then just ignore it and continue on sinning? And he says, by no means shall we continue to sin. Philippians 2.12 says to work out your salvation. To work out your salvation. Our salvation is based on Christ alone, but it's a continual active pursuing obedience through sanctification. It's a daily. It's, it's worshiping God, not just on Sundays, but it's worshiping God every day. It's working out our salvation. It's, it's looking to the moral law and saying, God, I, I know you want me to live this way, but I need your help. I'm reading your commandments, Christ's commandments. I'm reading that, and I'm not doing a very good job of that. I don't know that I can, I can do that, but God, I need your help to be able to do that. I need to stay connected to you in order to do that. I need to work out my salvation. So then how should we view the law The law is, when we read it, it should point us to Christ. It should point us to Christ. His righteousness. 
He satisfied the law. He accomplished it. He fulfilled it. And there are parts of the law that are not for the church. The ceremonial law. We're not sacrificing animals anymore. That Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. We're not practicing that. But part of the law is still for us. Even though Christ fulfilled it like the moral law. And we would all agree we shouldn't murder. We could all come to that agreement, I believe. But that the moral law is still for us. It's working out our salvation. If we have anger in our heart, we're going to see as as Christ expands upon the moral law further into the Sermon on the Mount, he expands upon that. He says, even if you're angry at your brother, you have committed a sin. That we should still teach the law in in the Bible. In verse 19, it says, therefore, whoever relaxes on one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We still teach what Christ commands us to do. We, we still strive to do the things that Christ tells us to do. And even if we don't, your salvation is based on Christ alone. Even if that's where you stopped, you may be called the least in the heaven, but you will be in heaven. For those that teach the law, that strive and abide to Christ and teach others to obey all that Christ has commanded us to do, your reward is in heaven. And after we have become Christians, we look back to the law We look back to the law to learn the heart of God. The law shows us the perfection of God. It shows us the heart of God. And as we look at Christ's commandments, it shows us how we are to become sanctified, to become more like Christ every day. Matthew 28, Great Commission, Go therefore, Jesus says, before he went into heaven. He says, Go therefore. To all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. To love God and to love others. We're still dependent on God. We are so dependent on Christ to even do that. John fifteen five, abide in me and I in you. Stay connected to me. If you want to produce fruit, stay connected to Christ. That's how we produce fruit. Joy, peace, and hope, and love, and all these things that, that God promises us, the joy. He says, you can't do it apart from me. He said, you can do nothing as part of that verse. 15.5 says, you can do nothing apart from me. That we are so dependent upon Christ to bear fruit. To live the life that he wants us to do. To obey the commandments of Christ. God has more for you than just to be saved. Number three is don't run from the law and the standard. Don't run from it. Um, Min and I went to college together. 
I'll do some confession of sin here. Um, she talked me into taking Theater 101. I'm like a country boy, Southern Missouri, taking Theater 101. Like, you know, this is terrible. And she actually wrote my papers for me. I'll, I will admit that. And I got an A. I, I, I got a really good grade. Um, but if you went to, like, uh, she was a theater major when I first met her. That's why I took it, you know, and impressed her. But um, So we would go to these different plays, and you get extra credit. You could write the papers, uh, Aristotle's Poetics. You could write the papers out and get extra credit. Well, she loves theater so much, she, she would just write the papers for me. And I had so much extra credit, I didn't even have to take the final. It was really good. Um, but another class I took, I remember like we had a shared a class, it was a, uh, it was a Western Civilization class. Whew. I went in, I sit down, and there's this young professor, and she had been, lived in Europe. She went to Europe, lived there for like five years, come back to be a professor, and her standard was so hard. It was like, you got to read all these chapters. We're going to go around. Everyone's going to talk about it. you got to write all these papers and all these exams and all these quizzes. And it was just like, ooh, this is a lot. And so she got done explaining the standard of the class. And I just got up and walked out. She's like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to go drop, I'm going to drop your class. And she's like, why? I'm like, it's too hard. Like, I could take something easy. Like, why would I do this, you know? And so I just went and dropped it. She was really upset with me. I'm like, why, why would I take something easy, like bowling or something? I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I understood the standard of her class, even though I ran from it. But I also knew that her standard was right. You know what I mean? Like, I knew that a college class should probably be that hard and that challenging, but I ran from it, because I just didn't want to try to live up to the standard. I didn't feel like I could meet the standard. But what if the professor said this, I know you can't meet my standard, no one can, but if you have faith in me, I will pass you, no matter what you do. I will. If you stay in my class, you put your faith in me, I am the standard, I lived in Europe, I know all this stuff, and I will pass you no matter what. And if you want, I will also help you to be more like me. I will teach you, if you spend time with me, you'll come to know that I care, you will grow, you'll become passionate about what I'm passionate about, and if you don't do any work, you'll be the least in the class, but you'll pass. Seems a little intriguing. See, most people hear the standard, but they don't know the professor. And most people hear the law, but they don't know the law fulfiller. They know that the standard is hard, it's impossible, but they also know that the standard is right. When you look at the moral law, you're like, that is, that's right. It's the way it should be. But most people run from it. They run from it because they don't know the law fulfiller. Because we are broken. We've broken the law and we've, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't see Christ in the law and the standard, if you don't see God's grace in the law, if you don't see how much God loves you in the law and His grace, 
you'll never be able to abide. You'll never be able to become more like Christ. The sanctification is not going to work. You'll never be able to do what Jesus commands. The Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted in my name. Jesus talked about the Beatitudes first. In the Sermon on the Mount, he, he mentioned the Beatitudes. He preached about those first. It was assuming that you have put your faith and trust in Christ. That is how we are blessed. That's how we can become blessed. We can be these things pure in heart is by abiding in Christ. God has more for you than just to be saved. Last thing I'm going to mention is to practice church mode. You probably don't know what that is. It's not a theological term. It's actually a Kansas City Chiefs term. I got a picture. I got a picture up here to throw up. Church mode. So this guy, McKinnon, didn't want to watch the game. In the end, he slid and he stopped just short of the goal line. He did that so the clock would keep running so they could win. Now here's this guy who had trained his entire life. He'd sacrificed everything to get a touchdown in the Super Bowl. That's, that's his goal in his life. But yet he sacrificed because the coach wanted him to for the betterment of the team. And they call that, the Chiefs call it church mode. And they call it church mode because you kneel in the beginning and you kneel at the end. And they call it church mode. So the play is at the end, it's like, hey, kneel in the beginning, take some downs, run the clock down. If you get the ball, kneel at the end and don't go in to the end zone. And so they practice this church mode. You see, Jesus, he's asking you to humble yourself, to put your faith in him and to follow his commandments, to die to self, to take up your cross daily because you love Jesus. Because you love Jesus, right? I'm sure this guy did it because he loved Big Red, right? Andy Reid. And he knew he had the best interest at heart. Like He may not have understood it. That's what Jesus is asking for us, is to, to die to self. Because you love Jesus. And I just wanted to rest there for a moment. Um, it has to be out of love for Jesus. It has to be. I mean, it's, uh, to understand the cross and what Christ did for us and the love that he has for us and the grace of God because we can't fulfill the law. Like, it has to be out of love for Jesus. So I want to ask you, I want to challenge you in this to say, I'm not talking about, like, immediate family members. That might be a little easy. But could you this week tell someone outside of your immediate family, that you love Jesus. How does that sit with you? How does that feel to say, I love Jesus? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Luke 9, 26 says, Whoever is ashamed of Christ, Christ will be ashamed of them when he returns. And it's, it's a relationship. It's not an obligation. It's not a legalistic thing. We love because Christ loved us first. 
It's kind of like the this world that we live in is kind of like the halftime of the Chiefs game. Like things look bleak, right? I, I honestly I deleted the news app on my phone. It's just getting too crazy. Um, deleted social media too. It was just consuming too much of my thoughts. <clears throat> but I think this world is like a lot like halftime of the Chiefs. Like things look bleak. I don't know what's going to happen. And I can't predict the future, right, for the Chiefs at halftime. And I can't, predict, I, I can't predict our future other than I know that we are on the winning team. I know that Christ is coming back, that he will set all things right. I can predict that. And it's good to know that we are on the winning team. But I also know that we can be at the bottom of our class and make it into heaven. Praise God. But also God will ask for an account of what we have done with our lives. He expects a return on his investment. He, he wants us to produce fruit. He, he wants us to have a reward in heaven. And the only way to do that is by staying focused on Christ. Verse 20, last verse here says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Your righteousness must exceed that of the most religious, the most adherent people to ever live on the face of the earth is what Jesus is saying. And the only way to do that is through faith in Christ alone. He fulfilled the law. He's the law fulfiller. The only way. For our salvation, for your sanctification, for your ability to follow his commandments, for your ability to be the salt and the light, for you to produce fruit, for you to be risen from the dead, is to put your faith and trust in Christ and to hang on to that. That's the only way. I was uh, down in Lebanon later part of this, this week and, uh, like I said, spending time with a friend who was struggling uh, our old um, DOM, which is Director of Missions, he passed away from cancer. Um, and I was thinking about another friend that passed away as, from cancer as well. Um, he was in the Marine Corps. And uh, just got me time to start thinking about that. And the, the old DOM, he was actually, he, the guy I was visiting with, myself, and another pastor that's down there, he walked us through ordination. That's becoming like an official pastor. So he walked us through all that. So I got to spend some good time with him. And um, you know, his thing through this whole process was um, be still and know. Be still and know, right? It's like staying connected to God. Just know that God is large and in charge. Um, but the other guy, I, I remembered him saying, he said this. He says, He says that he believed without a shadow of doubt that his faith was correct. And that he gets, he gets to spend eternity with his best friend, Jesus. And that he was happy and he was blessed. Like the last interview that he, that he uh, gave. And I remember one day he came up in front of the church and he sang. I didn't even know that he, he sang. And he sang this very simple song. He said, uh, it goes, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, 
give me Jesus, and it just kind of goes on like that. And the end, and we all knew he had cancer, it was really sad, but he said in the end he goes, and when I come to die, and when I come to die, give me Jesus. It was like, so, it's like, don't give me, I don't want anything in this world, but just give me Jesus. And if that's the mindset, I mean, if, that, if that's where we can just rest, imagine what God can do in you and me. And I want you to have that, and I want me to have that. I want our hope to be in Christ and Christ alone, not in this world, not anything that this world can offer. And if you don't have that today, I would just encourage you to call out to Jesus. The law is correct. The standard is correct. But it's too high for you. It's too high for me. Don't run from it. Run to the one who fulfilled it on your behalf who died on a cross so his blood would cover your sins. He was buried and he conquered death and he rose from the grave three days later so that you and I could have hope of eternal life. That's how much God loves you. And when you look at the law, I want you to see God's grace and his love for you. Let us pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you that That your law, it shows us your heart and who you are, that you are perfect. It's the way that we should worship you. It's the way we should live. But we are broken. We are sinners. And instead of, Lord, just doing away with us, you loved us so much. that you would send your only son, the only one that could fulfill the law to live a life that we couldn't live, to go to the cross, to, to die a death that we couldn't even imagine, to take on the sins of the world, to be buried and risen three days later so that a sinner like me could have hope and forgiveness and can have the righteousness of Christ. So that as we sang earlier, that my name would be written on your hand, that you would hold me in, my, in your righteous right hand, you would never let me go. That we have hope and after hope comes joy. Lord, help us to have the name of your son Jesus on our lips. Because he is the only hope of, that we have and the only hope of this world. Help us, Lord, to be blessed, to have those characteristics of Christ. Lord, help us. We are so broken. We run away from you, Lord. Help us to come back. Help us to, to stay connected to you. Help us to grow. Help us to produce fruit. Lord, we are weak. You are strong. 
And for those that have joy, thank you, Lord. They have a right to be joyful. Because we get to spend eternity with our best friend, with our Father. What a joyous time that will be. And all God's people said.